We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by the Genesis Company coming at you Wednesday afternoon. It's June 21st. I've got Jace Frederick with me today, uh, a day in advance of the draft on Thursday night where the Wolves have one pick at number 53. Uh, despite only having that pick, Tim Conley talked to the media this morning. Jace and I were there to ask a few questions, not just about the draft, but kind of free agency, the offseason in general. Uh, Jace, I I grabbed a a few different topics from that with some clips, Uh, four different things I put down. One, what he's prioritizing at 53, we asked him about. Two, uh, the idea of trading up in this draft. Three, his thoughts on the new CBA in the second apron. And then four, he was just kind of asked, again, his stance on running it back and if that's changed since uh, the end of the regular season. Which one of those do you want to start with? Draft preview pod. Let's, let's start with the draft. Let's start with what he's prioritizing here at 53. Uh, what, what stood out to you uh, from that? Um, I mean, I, I think it's just kind of the same Tim Connolly mantra, right? Like, that's what he mentioned at the draft last year. That's kind of what he mentions when he talked to him all the time. Like, it's, it's like guys who want to do things the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I don't know if you can necessarily diagnose that from your conversations with them pre-draft. Certainly they do a lot of research. They talk to a different, a lot of different people around these guys. So you get a good sense of it, but like, I liked what he's talked about, you know, guys who are going to do things the right way, who are going to hit the ground running in terms of like fitting in and being good culture fits for them. And, and, and I think that's kind of looks like what he built in Denver to a large degree, like guys who all fit into that mold. And Calvin Booth has kind of kept that rolling. Um, mm-hmm. And that does seem to be a pretty good way to build a successful team. Now, certainly the talent has to match it as well. But I, I think realistically, it's like pick 53 is like a dart throw just to even find like a guy who's going to make your roster. Like, and, totally. then, and, and then like in the rotation, now you're like, whoa, I don't think so. Um, be like a super impactful player. Almost certainly not. You know, so like it really is like who is going to come into your training camp? Um, who is going to maybe be a two-way guy who is in practice and is going to like continue to set high standards for how things need to be done and like fit in and test your other guys like in practice and and play hard and those types of things and that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, you. When I think about that, right, you're targeting certain types of guys, which I think you do more so as a team that's a playoff team, right? You're not just kind of looking for a player you're looking for a type of player uh, a little bit more as like I think kind of we're seeing the Denver Nuggets do trading for these picks like the Wolves are kind of I I think the more in the second round the more like parameters you put on it um, in terms of getting a specific type of player versus just a player there you're going to find those by trading up more often and and you you asked him about that today I'll play that clip and then respond to that how much easier is it to move up in early parts of the second round than get a first round pick much easier. Yeah, much easier. Um, you know, you get to 29 and 30, I don't think it's a huge difference. You know, some people can make the argument that 31 is better than 30 because of the, uh, the lack of cost certainty, so more creative um, relative to contract structure. But, um, yeah, much easier to get in the second than anything in the first. So if you like, there's somebody you value as a top 20 player and they fall in the 32, 33 range, it's attainable to go make that kind of jump. Yeah, we th- I mean, everything's, I think 
the early second, there's a lot of picks in play. It's just what's the price? Um, you know, this time of year, I know I've suffered from it. You kind of get draft fever, and you think there's, you know, 70 really good players, and you look at the draft from two years ago and see how many of those guys have already changed teams. Some are out of the league. Um, some aren't getting options picked up. So, um, yeah, that certainly, though, there's, you know, we have, we have a board, and if we think a guy – is um, has dropped an area we can move up into, and we think he's um, undervalued. We'd be pretty aggressive. So to kind of clarify, we we also asked him previously about trading up specifically into the first, and and Tim basically shot that down as as really unlikely. But that I, I think just knowing what they do have, kind of in the coffer in terms of not only fifty three, but I think seven other seven or seven other second round draft picks that they kind of added. Uh, after the D'Angelo Russell trade, I think that kind of makes sense to me if I'm projecting out how it goes tomorrow, given, you know, wanting a little bit more of a specific need at the position, a specific type of player and a player who's more likely to produce earlier on in his career. I'm kind of thinking that's the way that that Tim's going to go about pursuing the the second round in the, the draft tomorrow night. Yeah, I mean, I think it's either going, I don't see them moving up. I don't see them making like some big splash move, but I do think it's possible they could go up to like 36, mm-hmm. you know, or something like that. Um, if they if they really like somebody that's moving down. And I think there are probably a, a lot of teams that, you know, feel like maybe they could do that. They've got one or two guys circled and then that guy might go at 22, you know, mm-hmm. and they're like, nope, never mind. Uh, you know, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's kind of the action to keep an eye on it. I don't think you can, I think if you're watching this draft, you could probably you know, skip the first round if you're thinking like you don't want to miss anything <laughs> Tim Rose related. Uh, we don't know. You know, things they can obviously they're not going to tell us if they're doing that anyway. Um, but it it's definitely more likely that that's the type of jump you're going to make. You circle guys that you think are good fits, uh, both culturally and for them, probably things they think they can add on now. Um, those are more likely guys that they have valued as like top 25 ish players. And if those guys fall, then you make a move. Um, I, I, I think like that early second round thing. Um, I think just a prime example of that is Denver, um, who yeah. had just made another trade uh, to get, I think, pick 29 um, in this draft. Like Denver has now acquired like 29, 32, and 37, and it all stems back from training their 2029 first-round pick. Right. Um, so I think that just kind of shows like how these things are valued. Yes, 29 is a first-round pick, but like mm-hmm. people don't value 29 that highly, as Tim mentioned, because you can't get creative with the contract like you can with the second-round pick. Um, but that's just like you can get all three of those things for a first-round pick way down right. the line um so it is very movable um, attainable if you want to move up to that 30 to 40 range and i think wolves fans know what it means to get creative uh with the second round pick or right. an undrafted player we, we saw that with josh minot last year kind of locking him into the the four-year uh type of deal on basically minimums the whole time we saw that with nas reed and as we're looking at kind of the wolves salary cap situation here going forward like we sometimes just say like minimum contract. Well, a second round pick minimum contract who has zero years of experience in the league is $1 million. A veteran minimum contract is $2 million in terms of a cap hit. And we know with the Wolves, it's kind of like a million bucks on the cap or against the tax makes a, a big difference here. So again, that's part of my thinking about draft. Like I, I wouldn't be shocked if they walked out of the second round with like three second round picks, maybe one or two of them sure. on those minimum minimum type deals and then another one on a on a two-way or something like that that's kind of the way i'm i'm thinking about this honestly like we went to this this Connolly media availability thing and then both of us got home and we're gonna do this in that time shams tweeted out that the salary cap and luxury tax is gonna be bigger which than we were expecting which is way bigger news i think for the wolves uh right. than the number 53 pick so kind of tying those two things in together i think the big update with that and i've literally had like seven minutes to even look at this but i think it's two million more i have it here um so the salary cap is coming in two million higher than the prior projection that's not super relevant for the wolves because they're gonna be over the cap right but the luxury tax is three million higher so i i ran through just like a kind of fake if they signed these guys, if they signed Nas and they signed Nah, basically what I said last week when I did this was, if you do that, you're going to have to waive TP. And now with this added flexibility underneath the luxury tax, there is a world, if they get a couple of those 
minimum second round picks that they can size sign Nas at like a $12 million number right at the mid-level exception. Nikhil at like six or seven million and keep TP there. So I think for Wolves fans going into draft night, thinking about where are the Wolves at from a spending power position for this year. Again, we're ignoring tomorrow's problems tomorrow with 24, 25. They can get all of that. It looks like while staying underneath the luxury tax. I don't think we, we've really talked about this. Like, what is your sort of view on the value or how needed it is to bring back both Nas and Nikhil kind of having an understanding that that's going to pinch them out a little bit. How, how much of a priority do you think that should be? Um, the thing with Nikhil, I, I am all about doing whatever hoop you'd have to jump through to bring back Nas Reed, because when you talk about like, let's go, you've changed. I love it. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, that's, and that is like this last year, you know, like, yeah. I mean, I just, I'm somebody who's fond over the way he's grown, you know, mm-hmm. like the three years ago, I was not that enamored with him, but yet like his constant growth and seeing him develop, I think as a person, as well as a player, um, yep. both sides of that has been huge. Um, and it's like, you just see the trajectory he's on and I would want that on my team. Um, but just like the idea of everybody can kind of recognize like this cat Rudy thing. It's might not be long for this world just in terms of salary cap. So like, mm-hmm. what do you want to go from, from there? Like Nas is an excellent, like, transition if not this offseason the next offseason it gives and, you a pivot point it gives you the opportunity right. to pivot with the bigs to, in a way to that pivot with, without changing without necessarily have yes. to change your entire course of the way you're playing if you mm-hmm. like the way you're playing you know yeah. um so i i like the flexibility there and i'm a firm believer that if you sign him to like say like a two-ish year contract that it wouldn't be that difficult to move him next year if you decided you wanted to do that as well. Like, so I'm a pretty big believer that Nas, it doesn't matter about fit or anything. I just think he's too talented and too hard of a worker and too well-liked by everybody. Like culture fit, scheme fit, all of it. Like hold the value of the asset. And if you need to maybe move it at some point, it it gives you options to do other moves that probably don't hurt you. Right. So, and I don't know if 12.2 is going to get it done. I just think he'll get offered that by teams mm-hmm. who can offer that role a better role um but so i would be willing if i had to do it to find a way to go higher um just at least a couple million obviously there you hit a certain point where you can't but uh, and and to do that to go a couple million higher now we're talking about no tp or no nikhil that's right, correct. that's what it's looking like yep and and frankly like i do think i think this organization likes josh minot um and I think that can be very true without him playing in the playoffs. I don't think that was an indictment of really anything. Yeah. Uh, and when you have James McDaniels playing, like Nikhil Alexander-Walker showed a lot of great stuff. Uh, but I'm not sure what his role is going to be here long term sure. if you re-sign it. Like, it might be for somebody who, you know, we've seen TP's role go up and down and up and down. And, like, I think Nikhil could end up in a similar spot. Like, mm-hmm. consistent minutes, consistent role, he was great. Probably not going to get that here. Moving mm-hmm. forward, long term. So, as much as I think Nikhil Alexander-Walker is a player that if it works out, it's, you definitely want back, I wouldn't prioritize him as much as Nas. Yeah, it's Which kinda... is weird to say in a wing world that I'm saying advocating for a third big, but that's just how yeah, it is. Yeah. No, I, I oddly kind of feel the same way. And also about the ability to like spin off of it. Like If you need to spin off Nas in a year, I think if you sign him to a four-year $50 million contract, I'm not too worried about your ability to get off of that or that like being some sort of negative asset. I think there's a world where if you sign Nikhil Alexander-Walker to like four years, 25 million, and he ends up, you know, like not having a good season, not being in the rotation, kind of that, that yo-yoing in and out that maybe in a year from now, you're like, wow, we could actually use that extra six or $7 million. We can't just give, maybe that wouldn't be a contract that, that other people would get on. I'm not that it's that big of a number, but I, I think there's a, differentiation in my head there um between those two tp's the interesting one though so, or go, go on yeah nikhil i first. agree with that yeah uh well i was just gonna say anyway just with nas and nikhil like i think we're more certain that nas is an entry enticing player in contract that we know i think people will really want where like yeah nikhil it might not be something that is like this big asset that they're trying to chase that they're willing mm-hmm. to like pay you for right. i think that's the difference there is like you you would be able to get off nikhil i think at that number like people wouldn't be like no 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 yeah. you have to attach something to that it just wouldn't be like what do we have to give you to get this mm-hmm. player where i think nas probably goes that way jace this all kind of ties into the second apron, right? What we've been talking about for the past month or so is this information is kind of trickling out 
we asked Conley about it. Let's grab a, a break and then get into Conley's comments about kind of the financial future of where this team's going. Today's show is brought to you by the Genesis Company. As an entrepreneur, do you envision your innovative products on retail shelves? If that is you, then listen up. The Genesis Company is your guide to retail triumph. Their expert team has aided over 300 brands, generate more than $3 billion in retail sales, and is dedicated to transforming your dreams into reality. The Genesis Company amplifies your brand's potential by leveraging advanced marketing strategies and the latest technology. They specialize in extending direct-to-customer brands into mass retail and enhancing retail brands, DTC, or Amazon presence. But they offer more than just marketing. From retail consulting, packaging, and sales strategies, to operations, financing, and supply chain management, they provide a comprehensive end-to-end solution. And here's the best part. The Genesis Company is invested in your success. They're not just a service provider. They're your partner in growth. When your brand wins, they win too. If you're ready for the next level, contact them today at grow at the Genesis Let's scale your brand together. Today's episode is brought to you by 20 by 20 Solutions, a Minneapolis-based technology consulting company that works with your business to help you build and sustain success. A great front office puts together a winning team with a coach who can put together a winning strategy. When leadership does its job and it all comes together, that means success. Success in business isn't any different. Business leaders need to find the right mix of technology, strategy, and talent to make things really work. And that's never been truer for growing companies. 20 by 20's team has helped grow companies from thousands of customers to tens of millions by helping businesses across a wide range of industries, from consumer technology and healthcare to manufacturing and even human spaceflight. Reach out to Clark and Ben, who are Wolves fans and fans of this show, by emailing them at team at 20by20solutions.com. That's T-E-A-M at 20x20solutions.com. And their team will review your needs and help you put together a plan before you need to make any commitments. 20 by 20 solutions, technology, workflow, architecture, strategy. They're your sixth man on a winning team. All right, back with Jace Frederick from the Pioneer Press. Uh, Again, as I went into this media availability with Tim Conley, more interested in the offseason than I was uh, the draft. I'm glad we got a little bit from Tim uh, on those sort of things. I think uh, this is Chris Hine asking about this uh, second apron. It's about a 90-second clip, but I think Tim kind of touches on all the points here. So we'll play that clip, and uh, then Jason and I will react to it. Whether it's around the, the draft or free agency as a whole, how much has the second apron changed the way trade talks are happening? Yeah, it's a great question. We're not sure. You know, we haven't really seen a a real deal cycle going through it. So we were you know, so comfortable, familiar with the former former CBA. And I think some teams you've seen already are, are not too risk averse or overly concerned with it. I think some teams will be concerned with it. But I, I don't have a really complete answer until we kind of get through a draft and free agency and, and kind of a trade cycle. Where do you fall on that line? Risk averse, not risk averse? I'm not sure. <laughs> you know, I guess it, it's deal dependent. Um, you know, I, I think certainly um, the better your team can get, um, the more, the less risk averse you are, but um, you know we've studied it pretty closely. Um, Manny, Matt, Sach, those guys have done a fantastic job of kind of learning the ins and outs of it. But um, again, until we, we go through a real off season, I'm not sure how it's going to impact the league. Along those lines, you have two pretty different financial realities this summer mm-hmm. versus next summer. How do you make decisions, whether it be at the draft or in free agency coming up, weighing what you have now financially versus what you have yeah. later? Well, I think we're always focused on the next couple of months while having a long-term approach, right? You want to, um, we're pretty excited about where we're going to be next year. Um, we, we think we're going to you know, continue to grow off some of the things we did good last year and hopefully improve in the years where we struggled. Uh, but you can't ignore the long-term financial realities. Um, so, again, I think um, it's really dependent on the move. It's dependent on how big an impact that player, that trade could potentially make. I think that'll change kind of um, our, our ability or how we view spending so, Jace, I've kind of like, you know, been a little bit all over the place with the second apron stuff. And I think we're like every day, even like with the Beal trade or these different numbers come out, all, all sorts of different things related to it. Like, I, I've said the word hard cap, referring to the second apron as that. And I want to kind of like peel back on that broadly a little bit. Like, one, we already have seen a team absolutely not treating it like the hard cap in Phoenix. Right. I think we're going to see the Golden States, maybe the L.A. teams get there and not treat it that way as well. And I think that was the idea of this apron, right? It was 
that you can't, once your team gets crazy expensive, they're going to cut off your legs and your ability to be able to add to it at that point. That doesn't mean you can't still spend up there if you have all your pieces and your money in place before, just like Phoenix does here. So when Tim says that, I think what he's laying out is we don't know what situation we will be in as a contender when those when we have to like breach the second apron, which is which is not this year. And another huge factor in all this is there are the team building ones, but also we can't brush over the fact that it's a huge luxury tax bill too. So that's not all Tim's decision either in terms of what Lori and A-Rod at that time will, you know, green light or red light in terms of allowing spending power. Where are you just at with this second apron team, second apron thing, specifically as it, you know, pertains to this Wolves roster and how expensive it is going to get? Yeah, and I, I, just to touch on Connolly being like, I'm not sure how many teams are going to act accordingly with the second apron on the horizon. Like Chris Finch said last week, he's like, I think it's going to flush out. It could flush out a lot of player movement, um, kind mm-hmm. of as teams make preemptive moves this summer. And, you know, I'm sure they have different similar conversations with one another. And one just says one thing and one says the other publicly. Um, but I, I think with the Wolves, you really I, here's why I don't mind them not making a move this summer like and not okay. preempting the apron is that I might not think that this is like some championship core, um, the way it's constructed, uh, but they, we don't know that it's not like yeah. they, and, and I don't blame the Timberwolves front office for thinking it could be because it could be. Um, so like, like you mentioned, you can have a really expensive team and it just kind of cuts off what you can add to it. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll find out this season that this is the type of, core that doesn't need that much added to it and you can kind of continue to supplement it with second round pick players you know like two-way sure. guys whatever do the denver um, and, thing yeah maybe maybe you know mike conley or conley type point guard anthony edwards jane mcdaniels cat um, rudy and then your kind of supplemental pieces maybe that is a championship core i mean i don't think so but i don't blame this front office for wanting to, to for thinking it is feeling like they didn't really get like a full view of it this last year and wanting to see it play out. And then we're like, and then when push comes to shove, we'll know next year right. what we have to do, um, whether we can ride it out into it and just go into the second apron and ownership. If this is a phenomenal season says, yep, let's do it. Let's keep running it back. Um, or if they go, okay, nope, we have to pivot. I, mean, I understand the people who despise the idea of not pivoting until you're forced to pivot. Um, but I think that you're almost allotted that when you have Jane McDaniels and Anthony Edwards, because I don't think no matter what you do, even if you trade cap for less, like, I don't think it'll be, you'll come out of the other side with like a bad team. I don't think that is. It's possible. not going to be a wizard situation, right? That's it's different. Well, t- Tim was asking. It's not what I would do, but I, but I understand why the wolves would do it. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. I'm laying out kind of the other side of like, I, I could see where sure. you'd be coming from. If you wanted to play it out one year here. Um, Tim talked about that today. Let's play that clip. Tim, at the end of the season, you kind of, you and Finchie both said really looking forward to running back essentially with Cal, with Rudy, with mm-hmm. everything. It, it has anything changed from then to now on that plan or your view of keeping that group, that core group together? No, I mean, our pretty strong guess is we have a core and we're excited to run it back. Um, you know, I, you guys watched all the games. There were some highs, there were some lows. Um, you know, our kind of inability to, to win enough games versus teams that have worse records really came back to bite us. I mean, um, you know, when you look at recap our season, um, we were disappointed that we were in the play and we were disappointed that we were on the road to start the play. And you can point to specific games where we just, you know, we weren't good enough. Um, and then you looked at long stretches of basketball, we thought we looked like a, a viable team. So um, we're pretty excited about our core. Um, again, I think Finchie's an elite coach and having the, the, the year under his belt and hopefully a, hel- a healthy, you know, year, um, we, we think we'd be pretty good. So, Jace, I mean, we're just at the point, again, anything can kind of happen, whether it be tomorrow night at the draft or, you know, as as players start moving and numbers start moving around uh, when free agency starts at the beginning of July, anything could happen. But it it's increasingly by the day seeming like there is more one logic to the idea of running it back, even again, like you and I have both said that doesn't make perfect sense to us but you can see some of it and then really the thing i think for wolves fans is like this is what is being said consistently finch said it last week conley said it on the radio last week he said it again today like 
this seems like the op- what the operating assumption should be. Plus, you add in this fact of a little bit more flexibility underneath the luxury tax line. You really can run it back more so or more close to the roster you had last season while staying under that tax line. And then the core part of it, that's the most expensive part. A year from now, you got some questions to answer. I think that, right, should be the operating assumption of Wolves fans going into the draft and the offseason in July, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it would be, it would go against everything they've said to yeah. operate in a different fashion. Like Chris Finch told Charlie Walters in my paper, 99.99999% sure that Cat, Rudy, and Ant will be on the team come this next season. Like, I understand that can change. I understand that could be a smokescreen, but like, if we keep being told the same thing over and over again, we should, probably should say like, this is what we think is going to happen, and everybody can adjust when something changes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, if different reporting comes out, or if simply a splash move is made, but I think I think it's time to start operating under the assumption that everybody will be back. Um, and <laughs> like I said, like I, then they will have concrete evidence on what this is uh, likely. You know, not only with cat and missing time and Dave mentioned the training camp illness a lot. Um, and there probably is something to that. Um, and then Rudy just clearly not being a good player at the beginning of the year because he was so wore down from, uh, playing for France. Like there are a couple of things where you go, yeah, okay, that makes sense. That could work out better. You have a better point guard, um, as far as fit for this team. Like I said, I kind of get it. I get why they want to see it play out and Hey, maybe they are the best team in the West. I don't think so, but you know, it, realm of possibilities who knows um anthony edwards is certainly like one guy that denver couldn't really defend um in the playoffs last year so i get their intrigue i get their want to just see what the heck this is and then they're like tomorrow's decision is tomorrow's decision yeah and it's there there's ways to like run it back with also changes on the margins right we're, we're talking about when you say bring everyone back we're talking about bring all the rotation pieces back right like there's going to be a shuffle at the bottom, right? 10 through 15 to the two-way spots, like the Jalen Noel, the Austin Rivers, the even Jordan McLaughlin and Nate Knight. Like you could, you could let one of those guys go, but they're all basic. Those are all minimum players, right? So you could be shipping out minimum players or waiving minimum players and bringing back in three or four more. Like that's, that would be the change of a strict run it back. Um, type of situation. I think it's, I, again, I, I think it should be the the operating assumption. I mean, as our Jordan McLaughlin press member, um, what, what do you just think about the, the, the point guard position in this though? Because that's a, even in a run it back scenario, that is not all the way taken care of. Like, I, I mean, Mike is probably not going to, play over 30 minutes a game even if he's healthy the the whole season you got a you got 15 20 minutes a night of backup point guard play that needs to happen and you have in a very wolvesy sort of way like weird options Mac is one kyle anderson taking some of that Ant taking some of that where, where are you just at on the the point guard position which is kind of a boring thing but it would be boring to run it back so these are the questions yeah i mean i do think just the way he finished last year, like Jordan McLaughlin was not good. Um, and it was really since returning from that calf injury. Mm-hmm. And I think you have to go into training camp at least with some type of option to push him, right? Like, I, I think whether that be using 53 on that, whether that be, you know, a, a guy you like, like an undrafted free agent, somebody you like in summer league, whatever, just somebody who can come in and push like McLaughlin and, and make him have to earn it and be another option. If McLaughlin still looks like the player he was, you know, over the last 20, 30 games last year. Um, yeah, I think you just have to give yourself possibilities and maybe you're rounding out the roster with that player. So they have three point guards, um, which would which would have been beneficial last year yeah. at various times as well. Um, I, I think, think if you go right three, there. I think if you go three point guards, they both got to be minimum guys, J Mac and a minimum. Right. And if you don't have J Mac and, you know, something else, maybe TP has gone, you get like a six, seven, eight million dollar like backup point guard. Then I think you're fine with just having those two. Yeah. Because yep. then Kyle or Ant, whatever, could fill in the whatever extra space is available there. I, I think, and I think like 
pointing that out like that yeah you could add like a six seven eight million dollar player um and and that doesn't sound like much and that doesn't sound like a seismic change and you think no they need a b and c to get over the hump like i understand that denver was just healthy this year and that made a big difference but like Mm -hmm. they had a bruce brown for six and a half million and that made a massive difference in getting them over the hump it's not it doesn't have to be like these 20 million dollar players it doesn't have to be totally. well how do you get Kyrie Irving on your team um you know like as you know it gets discussed on ESPN every day like it it's it's these kind of glue players like these unafraid players um who have skill sets and fit into what you want to do and and are just better at doing things than guys you currently have um who make the difference in the regular season in the playoffs like little moves on the margins that seem maybe slightly insignificant at the time go a long way towards making your team better when it counts the most i threw out Schroeder as that to Brit last week. And mm-hmm. again, I mean, this would be more so I think his market would need to get pinched. Um, yeah. But like, it happened though. But you know, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, and, and maybe it's not Schroeder specifically. Maybe it's another player in that kind of price range who's on another team that doesn't need him more. But like, I think there's a world, I, I, I mean, and we're not setting the bar as Bruce Brown, but like the idea that it could be a meaningful player who is your sixth, seventh, eighth man there that would go a long way on this team and and specifically at the at the point guard position though it's like what you are in the like you can't totally run it back and add a eight million dollar point guard right there there are these are the picking and choosings you know to be done i guess if you say like you mentioned Nikhil, torian prince like maybe there's somebody else out there like yeah you like those players but this other player see and they know these guys really well and they think yeah, we like what these guys do. We think this guy helps us more. Um, mm-hmm. it, it can be like uh, this instead of that. I know everybody kind of like is enthralled with their own players, but you might come to that decision, you know, like where it's like, yep, we love Nikhil. We think he's on a good trajectory, but we think this guy makes this team better right mm-hmm. now. Um, and, that, and it's a unique it's team, like man. It's a unique, it's a unique team, right? Like there right. are, there is a specific type of point guard that works better with Rudy Gobert. There, right. right? You know, and or Ant or whatever it might be. And, nailing that down or whatever like once you get to this point where you have your roster like pretty intact of what you think is a good playoff team it's marginal stuff like that that is fit based not just like what their 2k rating is you know like it and i think the wolves are that that's part of my issue with the just straight run it back sort of thing I, I get the idea, particularly now with the finances. I don't think the players are all a perfect fit together. Even if I like, like Nikhil, I like, I'm not certain. I feel a lot better about Nikhil, for example, if I felt like he could really handle some point guard duties. I don't know that. Right. So is the opportunity cost there? Does it make sense to shift him out for someone who does tap into those things? Even if I was maybe like just comparing the two, like, I kind of like Nikhil Alexander-Walker better overall as a player, but maybe not on this team. I don't know. I think those are the type of questions that, you know, Tim Conley and Chris Finch are going to be answering this summer. Let's grab grab another break here, and then we'll we'll come back and we'll get into uh, a little bit more of this. Today's show is brought to you by the Game Time app, and Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. I went to a concert last week and the whole process of knowing where to go to get the tickets, it was stressful because the last time I went to a concert, it was a mess trying to get the tickets from the third party website onto my phone. But with the Game Time app, I felt confident even last minute that I purchased my tickets at a fair rate. And that's because of their best price guarantee. And then with the app, it was easy to just use my phone and get into the concert I paid for, no confusion. So if you're looking for tickets to a Lynx game, a Twins game, or a concert this summer, Check out the Game Time app. You'll get images of your seats when you buy, so you know what to expect when you arrive. You can buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. And tickets are sent directly to your phone, so no need to dig through your emails and click on a link here or there. You can just snag tickets without stress with the Game Time app. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Dane Moore for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again. Create an account and use the code Dane Moore, all one word, for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Today's show is brought to you by Bird Dogs, and Bird Dogs is a comfortable clothing line that makes you look good. I'm a fan of Bird Dogs stretch khaki shorts because most of my shorts are made of stiff, restricting cotton, but the Bird Dogs pair I have, they fix that issue by inventing cloud-knit fabric that looks like khaki, 
where it stretches so you get a slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. They use an anti-stink, anti-sweat fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. I mean, Bird Dogs is the exact same thing as Lululemon, but they just fit way better. So if you're looking for a more comfortable set of shorts this summer, I really would recommend Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash pool and enter promo code pool, P-O-O-L, for a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash pool for a free Yeti-style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. They promise you. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, back with Jace Frederick for a final segment here. We're kind of getting into the weeds of, of free agency a little bit as it as it ties to the draft on on Thursday night and obviously free agency coming up here. Uh, we're talking about the point guard position. I think I kind of cut you off there before we went to break. Jace, do you have a response to that? Yeah, I mean, just in general, like when you talked about, hey, we might like this player more if they can handle point guard duties. I think if you're going to quote unquote run it back with like your core this year and we all kind of... I think I acknowledge it's kind of a one-year experiment at this point, like one more year, and then you had to make a decision. Like, yeah. then you should go all in on this year's team. I think you should maximize. Like, I wouldn't worry about well, Nikhil's twenty-four, and he might be X, Y, and Z better because it's not like he's going to be some star player sure. who is, you know, your third best player on your team. So I, I wouldn't be scared to make a move of like, how do we make this year's team better? Um, because if you're going to do this year, if you're going to do this, run it back with this, then maximize it because that's kind of what you're trying to do in the first place. So I wouldn't be afraid to make moves that make the 23, 24 team better, even if I think like this person might help us more in twenty twenty-six than the guy we're bringing in. I don't. I think. He, you just put your eggs in a basket um, because I, like I've said, I think the roster is such where when you have two guys who are going to be good for the next mm-hmm. eight to 10 years, like you'll be okay either way. If you pick this Avenue, I would just really pick this Avenue. Wendell would be another one there too, right? That right, maybe has right. more value in 25, 26, something like that. Um, and not now. I mean, I don't know what that trade value would be or something, but if you're just, again, to use him as an example, if you're just kind of, incubate it might not make sense to have a guy incubating on your bench outside of your rotation if they have a value that could be traded for someone that is for sure a rotation player if you are running it back if you are putting your eggs in the basket for this this one year thing again not necessarily what i would do but i i'm I'm with you i i see the logic in that and i think it ties to when i was reading your your article yesterday um after you talked to finch the, the the idea of maturity um, I, I know we've like, they've said that a lot of times. I, I feel like I've just kind of like brushed over that though. And, and I really do think in Chris Finch's mind and listening to Tim Conley today too, that like maturity could be a real needle mover for this team. And you get some of that just by everybody being a year older, but you also maybe find some of that out on in the free agency market, you make a young for an older player type trade like that. What do you, what do you, when Finch said that to you, or what, what do you just kind of think of how much the maturity of this team 
needs to move next year and how much it can move, I guess. I think I think it has to move quite a bit um, because it, it does come down to like things like picking up leading the league in text, which, you know, those can cost you games. Obviously, like punching a wall, costs you your playoffs, obviously like hitting a teammate um, is awful for everything. Losing um, to all the bad teams. Losing all the bad teams. I was just going to bring that up, like not being prepared on a night to night basis against the bad teams like that can be a huge needle mover. And I, I think in some parts, it's interesting because it's like, do I think cat or somebody like that is a year away from being more mature like i don't know i think at some point people cap out at maturity i think rudy gobert is only going to be so mature uh cat's only going to be so mature even ant like i don't i mean he's going to mature but he's only going to get so mature like you need different forces different people i think to come in and kind of balance people out i think having like mike conley in for training camp will make a big difference i think he's probably in more of a position where he can like set a tone from the get-go versus coming in and trying to help out on the fly Mm -hmm. um he can kind of set a thing of like, here's how we're going to do things every day. Um, there is how I do things and everybody else should fall in line. Like, so I, I agree with you that I don't necessarily think like one year older. Uh, right. Now this team's mature. Now they've seen, you know, what making a bunch of dumb decisions does to you. Um, I do think it's going to be something that's got to be intentional about whether that's the coaching staff, Mike Conley, bringing in other guys who can continue to kind of try to. Yeah. Like the Pat Bev's Austin rivers. Like there is going to be veteran minimum type guys right here again this year and i think that you know pat is his own sort of like charge right not not necessarily pat's like is he mature is he immature uh you know but he's gonna lock him in he's gonna lock him in for a a game against the blazers on tuesday night when they're they're tanking like not if it's pat specifically but like that there would be value in that in you know multiple austin rivers i think to, to some extent with this team where you're maybe you're sacrificing some value in the idea that, Oh, we could lock in a, a young player on a minimum, right. Who might be something four years down the road, like, you know, buy yourself a Miami heat scratch off type thing, rather than doing that. Maybe you get someone else in here who's going to bring, you know, to Pat's credit, what I think he brought, you know, two years ago to this team. So I, I kind of think about that. I, that's what I w- started thinking about when I was reading the Finch quote from your article, just about how he brought that up to you. And he's brought that up numerous times. Like, that's another one of those things. When when Finch or Conley or whoever brings something up over and over again, it's not something they're just pulling out of their butt, you know? It's something that that's actually um, important to them. So that, that stood out to me. The other thing from it was, you asked him about Denver specifically. Um, and... You know, Wolves fans have been kind of doing this thing like, oh, the Wolves gave Denver as hard of a run as anybody else did, right, um, in in the playoffs. And and you asked Finch about that, and, and he said, I feel in many ways we played them as tough as anybody. With our roster construction, we do have some maybe inherent tools that can challenge them the way we're constructed. What did you think about that from Finch? Yeah, I mean, actually, I just asked him what he thought about the playoffs, like in his biggest takeaways oh, from that. And he said, well, Denver's head and shoulders above everybody else. In some ways, I think we played them harder. Um, and I think he's right. I mean, just in terms of like Anthony Edwards, in my mind, was the reason why Denver had difficulty from time to time defending Minnesota. I thought that was clear in the Phoenix series as well. Like Denver just didn't have that guy who can like not quote unquote lock up, but kind of contain an ant or Devin Booker. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of the end of like the they have Gordon. The, they have Gordon and, and right. Gordon and, is and, on cap. Then and Gordon's on Cat, Gordon's game. on KD, and I think Gordon's better fit for like yeah those guys than like a quicker player. Frankly, mm-hmm. like an ant is, would be hard for Aaron Gordon to cover. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then like obviously Jokic, he certainly had great games, uh, but Minnesota made things more difficult than some other teams were able to. I think because of the matchups, um, you know, like having Rudy on him or having Rudy as the spy off of him with Cat on him. Like mm-hmm. it's two different looks that are both you know, they provide problems in their own way, shape and form. So I do think like just in terms of teams that match up and give Denver problems, like Minnesota's roster construction made allowed for them to do so more than other teams who just didn't quite necessarily have those same personnel groupings. So it's the same reasons where we're all like, you know, with like the two bigs, it's like, I don't know how this works against X, Y, and Z, but it works pretty well against Goliath right now. Um, and, And so if you're looking at, well, we want to try to win next season, like, well, you currently have a roster that can at least give the best team some issues. So mm-hmm. that's where it's like, do we pivot off of that? Um, 
I don't know. And that, that I think Denver's dominance did, I think, kind of complicate the equation, I think, for Minnesota to some degree, and probably in a lot of people's minds. Yeah, I mean, the idea that they have tools to challenge Denver next season makes more sense to me personally than the idea that they have, than the idea that they played them particularly hard this season in the first round. Does that make sense? Like, the distinction yes. there, and maybe a huge part of that, or obviously a huge part of that, is Jaden wasn't in right. that series, and that's kind of the thing, right? Maybe Denver doesn't really have defensive options to slow both Cat and Ant. The Wolves have both Cat and Rudy to put on Jokic, and then the Wolves have Jaden to put on Jamal. Like, yeah, and yeah. Jaden is a better defender than Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Yes. Like, Nikhil, Nikhil worked his good. butt yeah. off. I give him a ton of credit. Jaden would have made Jamal Murray's life even more difficult. Absolutely. A um, couple more miscellaneous things here. Quickly, just from Conley's thing today, uh, he mentioned that Kyle Anderson's eye after eye surgery is doing better. He's back on the floor. I saw some clip on Twitter of him playing with like some rec specs on. So that was good to hear. Um, and then the other thing he said, Gobert was kind of still up in the air on, on playing for France. Anything stick out from that to you? Um, just that it was very clear in his answer while he was like, we'll support him no matter what. Um, to me, that was a man. We're hoping he doesn't play in it. Uh, that was yeah. all the tone. And I totally understand Minnesota from that. Like Rudy Gobert was very disappointing at the start of the year. And, and frankly, like he was so rarely, like, I think fully healthy this year that mm-hmm. if Rudy Gobert is serious about contending for like a, at a championship level in the NBA, I, I would think he would realize he needs to take the summer off. And I understand playing for France is very important for him, but it's not like this is the Olympics. It's different. Um, I, well, I particularly think that because that, he's definitely going to play next summer. Exactly. Right. Like, so definitely. I almost kind of wonder, like you're making it very clear as to where your priorities lie. If you play. Um, and, and I, so I understand the wolves, like they'll be supportive either way, but I definitely get the sense. There'll be some significant disappointment if he does play for France or at least some like, Let's not play in every game. This also isn't like the World Cup. Like it isn't the they're already qualified for the Olympics, I believe, based off what they did last year. Like it, I, I would imagine. It's I mean, a, you see the USA roster. It's not the creme de la creme. It's <laughs> yeah. because like the top notch guys don't want to play in it this year. And they're like, know, we're going to play next thing. summer. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. You know, so so this is like kind of meant that it's. It like the other countries view it as like the U.S. is like, well, it gives more other guys a chance to compete. Um, so it's it's just not. I think if there is an off season to take off, this has to be it for Rudy Gobert. Mm-hmm. It just makes too much sense at this point in his career. Should be your prime. Your prime doesn't last forever. Um, this would be particularly at seven two. Yeah. Um, the one other thing we were talking about briefly uh, at the facility, you and I today, was that, and I actually haven't even read this yet, but you you said it to me that Jake Fisher reported that. The Wolves are one of a handful of teams interested in uh, your guy, uh, Tyus Jones. Um, what what I do you think about that? I saw that aggregated on Twitter, so I opened <laughs> it a Jake Fisher report because I haven't read it yet either. Uh, okay, it would make some. It would make some. <laughs> either way, if it's reported or not, there there's to the point guard conversation, right? It makes some. Um, it makes some sense that the Wolves would be in the mix on a strong backup fringe starter uh, type of point guard. What a you, you brought up an idea to me. I'll just, I'll let you say it. Cause I, I, I was thinking about this the other day and was trying to be like, Oh, well, could they trade Torian Prince and Nikhil? And I was like, no, that doesn't work. Cause Nikhil's a free agent. Like if the wolves were to get Tyus Jones, what, what would be the options there? Yeah. I mean, the, like for just Memphis's perspective in general, um, it's very much like a, type of thing where they probably would be interested in like a wing that could make their roster better um, because certainly they have you know some needs there so there are teams that like have wings either extras or starters that could make Minnesota's like more likely uh, I mean to make them more likely to move Jones because they're upgrading it elsewhere even without John Morant um, but then with the Wolves it's like well if they're going to get rid of Tyus, like they still have 25 games without a point guard. So maybe like a Mike Conley makes some sense there um, in multiple ways in that he like Tyus can be like that starting point guard option uh, for filling in for 25 games. He's obviously a starter level point guard. We've seen that here in Minnesota. Um, But at the same time, it also provides, I think an added advantage if uh, Jones would be 
coming out as more like a younger player who can't necessarily make like a big imprint on John Morant. When Mike Conley is like the face of Memphis basketball for yeah. so long, he's got a ton of cash in that organization and that city. And he is like the ultimate veteran leader. We've seen that firsthand. Like you can't ask for a better veteran than Mike Conley. So if Memphis wanted to like salvage John Morant's career and, and his trajectory in the NBA, like, I think a guy like Mike Conley would make a lot of sense to bring in and, and kind of help try to facilitate that growth and that resurrection. Um, so that would make sense. Obviously, Memphis would have to throw in something else to make salaries match. But I would guess that Memphis's first wish would be to upgrade at wing. But I think just in general, bringing in like a like a John Morant, uh, I don't know, mentor um, wouldn't make a lot of sense right now. I, I do think, though, it goes against the logic of what we were just talking about, though, from the Wolves perspective of like the younger player versus the all in now. Like, I think Mike Conley is actually pretty significantly better point guard for next year than Tyus Jones would be. Would you agree with that? Or I agree a hundred percent. Yes. Um, especially I don't because like that. I, I don't, I, I don't know that just, I mean, I'm I, not saying I would do that if I was yeah. Minnesota. I'm not saying I would do that. Um, and I am like a massive Tyus Jones supporter. Everybody knows that, but <laughs> I think like his shooting, um, makes a ton of sense. Uh, he's a, a better, more consistent shooter than Tyus Jones. I know that's constantly an ever evolving part of Tyus's game, but Conley, I think you have, it's more like take it to the bank of what you're going to get from his shooting that they need to space the floor. And it takes a while to learn Rudy Gobert, as you've talked about. Um, and yeah. Mike Conley knows Rudy Gobert, and he plays well with Rudy Gobert. Sure. So, like, in general, if this year is, like, the year, uh, do you really want to have to take another? Starting point guard is a major piece uh, of transition. Um, so that would, I think, cause more of, like, feeling out period again to start, even if everybody else is semi-familiar. Um bringing in a new point guard that's not Mike Conley would would lead to more transition. And I get it. Like At some point, you have to plan for your future at point guard as well. But I agree that for this next year, I would rather have Mike Conley on my team. And that's me saying that's saying a lot. That is me. <laughs> uh, I'm just seeing on my phone here, Wizards, Celtics, and Clippers are in strong talks on a trade that would send Chris Stapps, Porzingis to Boston, Marcus Morris, and draft comp to Washington, and Malcolm Brogdon to the Clippers. Wow. So I just feel like stuff's starting to start now. Like, this is going to be tomorrow and up until July that movement is going to start happening. Maybe even particularly more movement before the new league calendar flips on, on July 1st. So a lot of things going on here. New cap, draft, trades are going to be happening. Um, we'll, we'll keep talking about that. Uh, here on the show kind of day by day, trying try to have an episode um, every day kind of through the rest of the week here to recap whatever the Wolves do or what happens around the league. Jace, appreciate you coming on today to, to talk about what we heard today from Conley. Thanks, man. Appreciate having me. All right. Um, he's Jace Frederick. Follow him on Twitter at Jace Frederick. He uh, has that article with some quotes from Chris Finch. Uh, that came out at the Pioneer Press yesterday. If you want to look that up um, at the Pioneer Press, you can do that. Um, I'm Dane at Dane Moore MBA. I'll be back to uh, talk to you, I think, after the draft on Thursday night. Till then, he's Jace. I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stops, yeah. Green and hot so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you're dancing like nobody else around, yeah.